Madeline Delaney today. This is her third preach for the day, uh, in case you didn't know. Uh, she did the lesson at preschool and didn't tell any of us that she was uh, doing the lesson tonight as well. So uh, she's two sermons in. We joked with her earlier to just send her upstairs so she could do the whole of Next Gen. Uh, but it just speaks about her heart for everyone. And man, I want to encourage you. Tonight's going to be phenomenal. If you have a phone, take it out. Take notes. If you have a notebook, yeah, take notes. Um, but it's just going to be, and can I pray for her? It's going to be epic. Come on. If you are excited and expectant, why not stick out a hand? Yo, look at you guys. <laughs> Let's pray. Um, Father God, I thank you so much for Lindelani. Father God, I thank you so much for her story. God, I thank you so much for what you've laid on her heart tonight. God, I pray, won't you give her peace that surpasses all understanding. That God, she would just be your mouthpiece today, that you would speak through her, Father God. And God, I pray, won't you just take this message, and God, won't you speak to each one of our hearts. But God, I pray, won't you even speak to her heart afresh, which is how good you are and how near you are to her. So Father God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Pray these things in your precious name. Amen. One more time, can we give it up for her? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So what Lester doesn't know is that I told James earlier on that I was just running through my message, you know, telling the kids so that I can see their reaction and what to change, what to tweak. So it went down well, so I don't think I'm going to change anything for you guys. I'm hoping the audience is the same. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> thank you. So I don't have to tell you who I am. He did a good job. But um, I am not nervous, but very glad to be here. It took a while for me to get here. There were a few no's and maybes. <laughs> anyway, um, let me just start by saying this, um, because I think this is the correct crowd. Um, all of us, and I mean all of us, it doesn't matter at what stage of life you're in, but all of us are waiting for something, right? And one thing that I've come to realize is that on this side of heaven, there will always, always be a feeling that there's something missing. There's always a sense that we, haven't, we don't have enough. We have something, but we don't have enough. So it's whether we are longing for a husband. I had to remember to say, or a wife. Because, I mean... So whether we're longing for a husband or a wife, be it a baby, I don't know, a sense of purpose, it might be a job, it might be maybe you're in pain physically and you keep praying for, Lord, can I just be cured from this? Whatever it is, whether it's prosperity, whatever it is, we're all longing for something in, the, in our life right now. And this longing can become an ache. It can become a serious ache in our heart. But somehow in God's word, it says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Um, well, disclaimer, waiting quietly does not really come easily for me. I don't know about you guys. You will hear in my story that uh, waiting quietly is a bit of a challenge. So I'm going to be telling you my testimony based on Psalm 27, verse 13 to 14, which says that I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So a little bit about me. I'm a daughter and an older sister. I've got a brother and a sister. And growing up in the villages, I had a life plan and it was on point. So my life plan, married by 23. Of course, married by 23, three kids by 30. And of course, the firstborn will come when I'm a good, nice 25 years old, right? And then while I'm married with all these kids, I'll also have an amazing career and financial freedom, of course, you know, best life. <laughs> but of course, in all these plans that I made for my life, there was never an option to wait. That did not future anywhere. Everything was going to fall into place. Now, being a big sister to a brother and a sister, growing up, I always had a sense of responsibility. I always felt that I have to live a good life, especially for my baby sister, because she will be looking up to me. So everything I do, I must think about what set, sort of responsibility or what, what morals am I showing to her. Now, I was raised in a Lutheran church, and um, I truly believe that my moral compass was a little bit intact. It was, it was okay. So, of course, I hit my teenage years. And my sense of responsibility became more profound. Because now, you know, being a teenager, we all, we all went through it. It's a bit difficult. It's a bit difficult. I was also involved in youth ministry. And because of my upbringing in church, and I'm active in church, and I truly, truly believed, I'm a good girl. And all my dreams are going to come true, right? I mean, come on. And then, of course, I went through high school, past grade 12, without an issue. Now, you understand that now everything is just showing me that everything is going to fall into place. You're a good girl. Keep, keep it up. So then, after passing metrics, I, <laughs> because of my sense of responsibility, I truly believe that this is my chance. I'm off to Jobek. I am living the village life at home. And I can finally, finally be free. I don't have to think about what is my sister going to say, what are my parents going to say, what are my church people going to say. I've got freedom now. I'm going to live my best life. And I got to, at that time it was still called Technicon with Water's Rent, and I met four ladies. And I'm, in my mind I'm like, mm, four ladies, we are going to show them how it's done. Only to find out that those ladies are all coming from a Christian background. I know, I know, right? Man. So now I'm thinking, oh, okay, there goes that opportunity. It's not going to happen. And sidebar, four of, three of those four ladies are still my friend to this day. But even while I was there, I still continued to be a good girl because that's how I was raised. And it wasn't easy, but I still thought, you know what? Being a good girl got me this far. Let me continue. Now, I was studying a national diploma in chemical engineering. And, uh, of course, 
And while I was studying there, because what you, you might not know, in Lutheran church we get baptized as babies. So while I was studying there, I even gave my life again and I got baptized as an adult. Now, the idea that things are going to fall into place is, it is set in my mind. So after I finished doing all my, my, my studies and now I need a year of experience before I can graduate. So I'm like, Jesus, show up. Nothing. I applied, I did everything and I couldn't get a job, meaning I couldn't graduate. My sister who's sitting right there is one of the people who went knocking on company doors with me. We will get in, a, I don't know how many taxis and go all the way to Roslyn and wherever trying to get me a job so that I can graduate. And that did not happen. Sense of responsibility comes back now. My brother and my sister is their turn. So I've had my chance. I haven't got work. I, don't, I haven't graduated. And they need to come to varsity. So then I went home. Back to the village without a qualification. And I sat there. I remember my aunt actually decided this is a perfect opportunity. She decides to start a little company making dishwashing liquid. So in her mind, dishwashing liquid, my brother's daughter did chemical engineering even though she didn't graduate. Chemicals, <laughs> this business is going to work, right? <laughs> Now, the problem is chemical engineering has nothing to do with chemicals, guys. Nothing whatsoever. Needless to say, that business kept me busy for a while. But after some time, because I was at home for a few years, all my friends that I've studied with are now working. They've graduated, they're working. Some of them are getting married. Some of them are having kids. And I am stuck at this point. So... My talking to Jesus changed a little bit. So now it became God. What's up? What's up? Everybody is leaving me behind. I'm a good girl. I've been a good girl my whole life. And every time I was a good girl, you were showing up. So what's happening? And nothing happened. So then, of course, that's the right time when Satan will be like, how's it? It is. It's like hater. <laughs> so then I got this idea in my head that, okay, I'm going to have a, a mini rebellion. I'm going to throw a mini temple. I mean, a mini one. In hindsight, it wasn't such a small one, guys. But in my mind, I'm like, well, you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, I need to get your attention one way or another. So I'm going to do something. And when I was 22, I then decided, what can I do that will, that will shake him a little bit? So I decided to give away my virginity. And I'm like, being a good girl didn't work, so let's see. Let's see if you're going to wake up now. I did that. Didn't feel good about it. And then a few months later, my dad was like, nothing is happening, so how about you just go and see if you can do volunteer work? So I went to the Department of Water Affairs and I got volunteer work at no pay, government, hey? At no pay for a whole year, I did my in-service training and my dad was supporting me. Now when that happened, I did see God. 
but I still had a bit of an issue with it. I'm like, okay, okay, yes, it's, it's some movement, but again, my friends have gotten working way before me, and now I have to do this, but I took it, I took it, I took the opportunity, and I finally graduated. So when I graduated, a few months after that, I got a, my very first paying job in 2007, um, which was for a company called Tonga Tulet Starch. And I had an amazing manager there, amazing. And we got to a point where we used to talk about my career and he would, he would push me and try and say, where do you want to be? What do you want to do and all that? And I, he was invested and I started seeing God is back in my corner. But the job was a shift work. And now because we're still in a little bit of a cold war, I was like, I've got a good excuse. I'm not going to go to church. Because, I mean, I'm working Saturday, Sunday, sometimes at night. People are sleeping and I'm at work. So, God, you gave me a job, but it's not good enough. So I'm not coming to church. We are not done. Then my manager decided to leave, and that was a bit of an issue. I took offense, and I was like, you see now, God, I was starting to get comfortable, and he's doing something for me. Now he's going. And they told me, this is now the incoming manager, he said to me, for you to have any movement in this company, you need to have been here a minimum of eight years. And I had been there barely two years. Needless to say, I stayed at that company two and a half years, and I was gone. So now the questions are, are now louder. God, where are you? I had a slow start. Now I have a job, but nothing is happening. What's happening? And when this happened, out of the blue, my manager who had left called me and he said, can we have coffee? We met for coffee and he told me he wanted to create a position. He feels like I will be very good for it and that's how I got my next job. And now this was a Monday to Friday job. Nice, my dad offered to buy me a car. Guys, the blessings. I'm like... We are back in business. It's happening now. Now, this was in 2010. So when they say 2010 was a good year, I'm not talking about the Soccer World Cup. No. No. So then I started seeing God's provision, and I started realizing that he has been in my corner. But me being me, I'm like, Jesus, thank you so much. But God, I'm 27. Where is my husband and my kids now? And we had a conversation and I was like, well, I'm in my late 20s, so I'll give you a little bit of grace. Just don't make it to 30, please. And of course, I, had, I hit the dreaded 30s with no prospect of a husband whatsoever. But the job was going well, was going well so it was fine. And then I, I kind of fell back into my good girl behavior because now... I've got a job, but I need the husband and the kids, so let me, let me behave. Started behaving well. Everything was back in. I started going to church. I wasn't that involved, but I was going to church, and I was talking to God. But just to prove that it's not really Linda Lani's works, in 2014, right in the middle of being a good girl, my house burned down, and I lost everything. And funny enough, through losing everything that I owned, Sidebar, this was a day that I had gone to site and I had gone there wearing my ugliest, most torn outfit ever. And then I come back and I got nothing left. But then by losing that, I saw how many people are actually in my corner and 
not because they wanted to be, but this is where God's provision was visible, left, right, and center. And I got back up. <sighs> now, I actually stayed at that company for a good, I think, six and a half years. And then I got offered a job down William Nicoll, and I came this side. I moved this side, and a colleague of mine actually invited me to this church because I had been going around with Arena over there trying to find a church, and I didn't really feel like I had found one until I got to the bus. Um, and I remember I went there, and the Monday when we went back to work, my colleague was like, by the way, that's my church. You, 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 must, you must know. And of course, I never left. Now, through coming here, just before I came here, and now for once, this was sort of like not even a good girl thing, I had decided to go celebrate, and I was like, my faith is serious, and it's important to me, and I need to take it seriously. And then I came to God first. I went to a life group, Malcolm and Alisa, and I saw or found a kind of support that I had not had before because I was trying to do everything, thinking I can do it by myself. And I was in that life group, and while I was in that life group, we multiplied, and I had a life group with Elaine, which is the one that I'm still at. And the support that I, I've been constantly getting from my life group has actually made me not see this as a good girl kind of scenario, but now this is me having people who support me, who encourage me in my work, and who sometimes a little bit irritatingly, you go there to vent, and then you vent, and afterwards, I vent a lot about my boss. And then afterwards, they go like, have you prayed for him today? And you just want to vent, which is good because it changes my focus. So even now when I'm going through this walk, because again, the husband and the kids are still not there. So now when you go there and you want to vent and all that and people want to respond by saying, let us pray about that. It changes your focus a little bit. You do not look inwards. You actually realize that you are a child of God who is blessed. Now, 2022, when it was coming to an end, now it was no longer, I'm 39. It was like, I'm almost 40. So it was a, a proper countdown, a, a scary one. Um, and the questions to God became a little bit heated now. Like, I mean, come on, I gave you grace when I was 30 and now I'm almost 40. What's happening? But then I started praying Jeremiah 29, 11 over my life. God, before the world was formed, you had a plan for my life. You have always wanted me to live in hope of your good plan. Please help me to have patience when your plans don't seem clear. Give me the faith to trust that you are working. So now my new approach to life is no longer to have a temper tantrum or silent treatment because I can't go into silent treatment, but rather have a very loud and persistent conversation with God with lots of tears sometimes, like proper. I, which was a blessing. We started doing something here in our church called City Institute, which... Uh, <laughs> 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 
which um, in my current work where I was trying to not do anything by myself has actually also taught me how to read the Bible and how to approach actually learning about God. Because sometimes you open the Bible and you don't know what you're reading and you are just like, yes, why are we going through all these names? What is going on? But when you learn that uh, the Bible, you have to read it differently. And James, you guys, you, Grant, you guys are doing a great job. You need to keep doing it. So now I, I've started growing in my faith because of the support that you get from either Life Group, City Institute, the, all the initiatives that we do. And I believe so much what God says in, in Philippians 4, 6 to 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So this has been something that I keep going back to, just to remind myself that good girl works will not help. It's not up to you. So now my, my prayers are still the same. I keep adding, but the fundamental ones are still there. But of late, I started praying for a new job. Um, and before, I, I, I used to not pray, but I used to kind of think, you know what, this God, he's not giving me a husband or kids or anything like that, but maybe he should just give me a job that actually fills a little bit of a, of a, of a hole. But I never used to pray about it. But now I've started actually even praying about my job and being more specific about my prayers. Needless to say, on the 5th of August, while I was gallivanting out there, celebrating my 40th birthday, I got a job offer for something that I don't think even in my wildest dreams I would have prayed for that. But when it came through, I sat down and I was like, you have been showing up, but now you are showing off. And I like it. I like it. So, because we have been in the Psalms for this whole series, I've come to realize that the Psalms are one of the beautiful places to go when in trouble or struggling with life circumstances. Because there in the Psalms is where we find fellow humans who are being, well, human. Um, and we see that the ultimate weapon against the bitterness and impatience that rise in our waiting is shouting praise to God. It's shouting out truth about who he is so that it resounds in our soul and brings meaning to the pain. The following psalm is also instrumental in the lessons that I have learned in my current period of waiting, which is Psalm 130. If you, O Lord should mark iniquities. O oh Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. And I have come to learn that God is always, always faithful in our waiting. Sometimes what the word most needs to do for us is humble our hearts. 
It reminds us that without Christ, we are sinners who quickly abandon God and we are also entitled to nothing. He owes us nothing. And yet through, though we walk in, as enemies of the Holy God in our disobedience, which I have been, he reaches out in forgiveness. He graces us with what we need most, what we most lack, salvation from sin. And that can give us joy always. Each day we fail to love as he loves, to walk with integrity as Jesus did, to choose light over darkness. Though we wouldn't be worthy to stand at his throne, he covers us daily with the white robes of Christ so we can stand. How can we not trust such a merciful God? He is worth waiting on. And I've also learned, learned that God is sovereign in our waiting. Nothing is impossible with God. I mean, he knows everything and he knows us inside and out. He sees everything upon the earth. <sighs> These facts that God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, wise king, can settle our heart with peace. And it's amazing that in 2023, we have spent the whole year in his presence. And we even did a series where we had to learn about the attributes of God. And I must say, that spoke to me. So, I just want to finish off by saying his help will come. His will for your life and mine will come to pass. Our hope then is in the name of the God who does not fail, does not falter, does not fade, and does not lose. As we hope, he sends his steadfast love so we can endure the weight. And that is the only way we can endure it. Our future and inheritance is in heaven as we were singing. And we are just passing through, through this life. I know the waiting seems harsh until we realize that God is all about our eternal life, not this immediate life. So just a few questions for you to, or for us actually, because I'm on this journey with you. For us to ask our hearts, like James will say, I come from a life group setting, guys. We always have questions. Now, my question to all of us that we can ask ourselves is, do you believe that God is at work in your waiting? Do you believe he doesn't waste your pain and your weight? Do you also, how can you, or all of us, how can we prayerfully look for Jesus in our current waiting? And what idols do we need to lay before him so we can rejoice in Christ? What are we valuing above our relationship with God? I'm still praying for guidance. The waiting is still happening. But I am no longer throwing a tantrum. And I am full of gratitude. And I get to notice and see all my blessings and God's providence every single day. Thank you, guys.